Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. This morning, so we're actually um, in our third week, our third part of the message of the public place where we've been just talking about this whole idea of a theology of place where we've been just learning about how God um, has kind of given us three main places in the Bible about uh, ministering unto Him and, and ministering unto others. And, you know, we have the, 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 the ministry to Him in the secret place. Then we have the ministry to others. Um, one is in the gathering place, but also in the gathering place we should be ministering unto the Lord as well. And then we have ministering in the public place, and that's kind of where we are on. And this theme really is about us um, coming around that idea that we've had for the last, um, uh, well, since January, our theme for the year, and that is a heart for the house and hands for the harvest. And I know that we believe that if we are able to press in, if we are able to um, begin to be committed to these theology of place ideas and things in our life, then we really feel like we can accomplish that. But it's going to take each and every one of us to be able to dive in, be a part of it, um, and, and really go after it. And so um, I've given you this definition, but I'm going to say it anyways because you're going to get it for the next, uh, probably next week as well. The public place, our definition that we've been going by is the public place is the spaces and places where God calls believers to live purposefully for the goal of witnessing to unbelievers and to those who have backslidden with the good news of Jesus. And so if you missed last week, last week was why witnessing is necessary. I just want to encourage you to go to the podcast and listen to that. Um, it's really great stuff if you listen to mine. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but one of the podcasts you can list to all three campuses, um, there's such a variety and such a difference in how we all, all three of us present this. Even though we come together as a teaching team, and we talk about it, and we kind of get it all together. But there's three totally different personalities in who brings the, the you know, our head spin or anything. Um, but before we get started in the Word this morning, um, I, I want to start with this thought in mind from a book that I've been, been, been reading. And it's, it's a quote from a Spanish nun, who said, and it, they attribute this to her. And she says this, and, and really listen to it, because this is the thought I want to at least kind of get across. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. No hands but yours. No feet but yours. Yours are the eyes through which the compassion of Christ must look out on the world. Now, this is a responsibility that has been given to each one of us to go. To see people as Jesus sees them, and to be witnesses of what we have personally seen, what we have personally experienced, and what we have personally heard. That ultimately then will point people to Jesus. Point people to God's love, God's mercy, God's compassion, to His salvation gift. Through the good news. Let me, let me get a scripture in the Romans chapter 10. And it says this. And how shall they believe in him 
of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Okay, or a herald, a, a public crier of divine truth. So you don't have to have preacher in front of your name. You don't have to be reverend. It could be anybody who's declaring truth. Verse 15, And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Now, this doesn't mean that your feet miraculously are beautiful, okay? When you, when you go to witness. You're kind of just stuck with what your mama gave you, okay? Um, so whatever your feet look like. I always thought, man, that's so cool because then my feet are going to look really cool, but no. But this word beautiful here used um, does mean this, at the right time or seasonable. So in other words, every day is the right season. Every day is the right time to take the gospel to others. Say every day. Yeah, every day. Let that sink in. Every day that we make ourselves available, we should make ourselves available to bring whatever it is that we have to those around us. Right? I mean, that's what Jesus did when he walked on the earth. And if we go back to what that nun said, man, our eyes should be looking at people the way Jesus looks at people and is recognizing, man, they're lost. They're, 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 they're just kind of in this, this, this state of not knowing how to even break out of what they're experiencing in their life. And so we are to share the good news about Christ to others, right? But we do so with this goal in mind, right? To, we are working to destroy the hold Satan has on those who, who are lost in sin and are spiritually dead inside. That's what the Bible talks about. When we don't have Jesus living inside of us, we're spiritually dead inside, right? And Satan's driving, driving ambition is to destroy lives. That's what John 10.10 10 talks about. Right? Where it says that you know he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. But we know, hopefully, right? We should know and let others know that Jesus' driving ambition is to save lives. That's his driving ambition to save lives, to restore people back to a right relationship with God, and to give them abundant life here for eternity. Can I get an amen to that? Oh, that was weak sauce. Oh, come on, a little louder. Man, that's awesome. Now I know you're awake. But here's the title of today's message. Muddy Methods and Tangled Truths. Muddy Methods and Tangled Truths. Let me pray real quick. Holy Spirit, just give us truth today. Just give us truth. Amen. Now, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, meaning we are to share and give witness of our faith to others. Now, I know for some that seems kind of intimidating, maybe, um, but witnessing and fishing for men is not a co as complicated or intimidating as we seem to, to make it out to be. And I know there's a lot of reasons why we don't want to maybe don't share our faith, um, and one such roadblock to that 
is that many Christians, um, when it comes to sharing, they get kind of confused about um, the, the, what, they, what the people need to know and, and, and do in order to be saved, in order to have this, this relationship, this eternal life with God. And we complicate it, but it's, it's really simple. But so much of our culture, um, and I will even say, as dare to say, um, even the, the big C, right? The church has muddled it up and tangled it all up to not make it simplistic. Because it really is simplistic. Not that hard. And I don't know about you. I mean, there might be some of you in this room that would say, yeah, that's never going to be me, Pastor Scott. I don't care what you say. And uh, that's fine. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit deal with you on that. Okay? But, but again, we talked about it a little bit. I mean, you might be, I mean, maybe you're an introvert, right? Or maybe even a middlevert, like John and, John and me. I think John maybe was more of a, maybe a, a middlevert than maybe, because, you know, he still was out there. Um, or, you know, because a lot of people think the golden child is Peter because he's an extrovert. Right? The church has made it like, oh, Peter, man, you got to be like Peter when you witness. You got to be, I mean, you just got to be an extrovert. You got to be out there. But, but he, he, that's kind of the gold standard for, for the Christian church. But can I just pause for a second and reassure you this, that whatever you are, it's totally okay. It's totally okay with God. He, 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 after all, he's the one that designed you. Am I not right? I mean, just look at, at Psalms 139. He designed you the way you are. And so if you're not extroverted, or you're introverted or, or middleverted, whatever it is, he is so like, man, you are it. And I say that with a smile on my face because that's how God looks at you. He just looks at you and goes, you are it. Maybe not as quite as, as me, but, but, but that's, that's who he is. And then you have that promise that Jesus said, hey, you know what? I will make you fishers of men. I will work with your personality. I will work with your temperament. I will work with whatever it is. Because you know what? It's about this inner work that the Holy Spirit is doing in you. It's about this work that like, almost like you know, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are collaborating together to get you to the point where you begin to have confidence within yourself to say, hey, I can at least do that. And when we begin to see and, and kind of understand how simple the gospel really is, I think it just brings so much more confidence to us. And so today, I want to walk us through the answers to two questions. Here's the first. What does a person need to know to become a Christian? Okay, now, now you might say, oh my gosh, I've learned this in, 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 in kids' church or whatever. I, man, I know all this stuff. Just don't close me off. Okay? Because you know what? The Holy Spirit can always speak something new into your heart every single time you hear a message. Okay? Every single time you read the Word of God. Okay? So first is, what does a person need to know to become a Christian? The second is, what does a person need to do to become a Christian? Right? Or, or be saved. And so, if you, um, if you would, turn to John chapter 3. Okay? John chapter 3, we're going to start here before we actually get to our main text. 
In, verse, in John, John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, we find Nicodemus. Now, he's a well-respected uh, part of the Sanhedrin. He's an influential member of, of the Pharisees. And he comes to Jesus to, to really just kind of find out who Jesus was. And in the conversation, Jesus kind of has this response to him, to, to Nicodemus' question, with something that really kind of seemed out of place, I guess, in, in, in somewhat. But this is what he said in John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus replied, and he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So Jesus is revealing, and it probably like an entirely new concept to Nicodemus, that this new birth can only come from above. Then, in, in, the, in the continuing of, in the passage... Jesus clarifies, right, by putting, putting out an old, or says an Old Testament story that maybe some of us might not be familiar with, but it was one that Nicodemus would be really familiar with because he's a Pharisee, and so he studied the Bible. And so I want to stop right there for a second. I want to pick up on a video. We're going to watch a video from The Chosen that kind of shows us a little bit of this, this uh, uh, encounter, this relationship aspect to uh, uh, Nicodemus coming to, to Jesus. Do you remember when the children of Israel complained against God and against Moses in the wilderness of Paran? Yes. They wanted to return to Egypt and they cursed the manna that God sent them. And then? They were bitten by serpents and they were dying. But? But God made a way for them to be healed. Moses lifted the bronze serpent in the desert and people only needed to look at it. So will the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Our people are not dying from snake bites. They're dying from taxation and oppression. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I did not come to deliver the people from Rome. Then from what? From sin, from spiritual death. God loves the world in this way. He gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So this has nothing to do with Rome. It's all about sin. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, Nicodemus. He sent him to save it through him. It's as simple as Moses' serpent on the pole. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Have you ever heard anything like this before? Shh. When I met Lilith, Mary, that day, I told my wife and my students that she was beyond human aid. Only God could have healed her. And then I saw her. And here you are. The healer. I, my whole life, I have wondered if I would see this day. Now, as you know, he, he, he said it in, in the scripture or he said it in the, in the video, 
but uh, John 3.16. And I would love for us to all read it together, okay? So they're going to put it up here on the board. Ready, set, go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. All right, so now let me give you four truths from the most popular Bible verse, right? That will untangle the gospel message for anyone to deliver, to witness to somebody. And uh, we're going to also at the same time answer the two key questions that I mentioned earlier regarding what a person needs to know and do to become a follower of Christ. And what's really cool about this is no matter what, no matter who the person is, the answers are the same for everyone. It's not complicated. It's not hard. They're so simple, yet many people kind of just sail right past them. And then they get tangled up and boggled down, and eventually they kind of like just stop trying to be a fisher of men because they just feel like, I don't have it all together. I don't have every, everything in place, all of these things. I don't have a Bible um, uh, college degree. I don't have all of this stuff. But man, if, if you just follow along today, I'm going to give you a very simple outline of how to, 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 to minister to someone, to talk to them about the love of God. Okay? So again, our first question or I mean, let me, the, so the, yeah, the first question, and then we'll answer the question. What does a person need to know to become a Christian again? Now, I'm going to read John 3.16 again, just real quick. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So our very first one is, for God so loved the world. Okay, so I'm answering the very first question. This is, a, this is an answer. For God so loved. So the very first thing people need to know is God loves them. So when you get an opportunity to witness, talk to someone, whatever the situation is, whatever that looks like, and again, remember, we are not car salesmen. Right? We can't be pushing to close the deal sometimes. Now, listen, there might be opportunity where that opens up and you can close the deal. But man, it's not to be so like, man, I'm going to stick this down your throat until you, you know, whatever, I'm going to follow you home. I'm going to be, you know, calling you on the phone. Be led by the Holy Spirit in it, but, but not as a car salesman, but as a, a, a lover of Jesus, as a follower of Jesus. Right? Because you can be moved with compassion for somebody. It's really okay to be. I, man, there's just something about it. I just can't get you off of my mind. I just can't stop praying for you. Right? That's okay. It doesn't have to be car salesmen. Okay? So, God loves people. God loves those that you are in contact with. Now, the word here for love is that Greek word agape. And agape is a love that loves so profoundly that it knows limits or boundaries and how far, wide, high, and deep it will go to show that love to the recipient. Okay? This is God. He'll, he'll go, doesn't matter how far, doesn't matter what, how, what it takes. 
Every single person in God's eyes is a recipient. He wants to give it to them. He wants to, to allow them to experience that. And this form of love will even go as far as the sacrifice itself for the sake of the object or the person it deeply cherishes. Therefore, agape is the highest form of love. So God operates towards man in the highest form of love. I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for that. Because, you know, you know, in a practical sense, you can love someone, but man, sometimes you can fall in and out of love, right? Kind of like, oh man, I'm loving you today, but marriage life, right? I'm loving you today, but today, today nah, not, or, you know, tomorrow, nah, because you just, you know, you're causing all kinds of problems. But my wife's like, yeah, you're on that, that side. Um, just kidding. Anyways. But, 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 but the thing is, is that, see, God's love never changes. He doesn't look at it that way. He, he, his, the highest form of love is the fact that he's looking you at, at you all the time with a smile on his face because he deeply cherishes you. And, and the thing is, we have to realize is that we are beloved by him. Every single one of us. Not just us in this building. Every single person outside of this building. Every single person that may be right now, man, they're, they're doing something that is totally ungodly. But God loves them unconditionally. They just haven't got a revelation of that. They just haven't come to terms with that. And so it's not for a select few. Because all of us are made in his image. And so we are precious and deeply, he is deeply, we are deeply loved by God. And his heart was stirred to make sure that, you know what, he had, they had something in place to save all of mankind. And so kind of, I guess if you were going to just sum it up real quick, God's love drove him to action. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says this, but God showed his great love. <laughs> That's so cool. Isn't it? I think so. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Yet, sometimes despite this powerful display of love, there are, there are thousands and thousands of people who think that God is mad at them. That he's just kind of watching and waiting to try to strike them down, punish them for their sins. And, and Christians sometimes think that way too. I mean, they live with this deep feeling that they are, are, are constantly disappointing God. Constantly, you know, disappointing him. And then at the same time, man, he's mad at them. And almost kind of like, you know, they snuck in through the back wall um, into, into Christianity, like unnoticed. And then God's just going to have to, God's just going to have to deal with them. I, I can't remember. I, I, I was reading somewhere or I heard it somewhere, but um, there was uh, up at the uh, pearly gates, Peter was standing there and people were coming in, but his numbers kept getting all wacky and crazy or whatever. And, someone's, and he said, hey, what is going on? And someone said, oh, that's Jesus, this pulling people over the back wall. And I thought, man, isn't that Jesus? 
He takes the yuck and the muck and whatever, and in his eye, hey, come on, let's go. And, and here's the thing, God, God's not into just like, you know, sometimes we think, well, he just tolerates us. And, you know, he's just putting up with us, and at some point, you know, he might, you know, kind of um, look at my imperfections and, and, and the stuff that I sometimes just walk, get into and, and that I don't want to, but I get into it, right? And then he's just waiting, waiting for that time to, to kind of maybe even strike us down. But the thing is, you've got to understand that his love is a major part of our spiritual journey. His love is a part, major part of your spiritual journey. Right? And it's, it's something that we just need to understand with greater depth. I think in order to really truly be able to reveal it to others. Because it's hard to give something that you don't have. Would you agree? If I don't have an understanding of God's love for me, if I don't understand the depth of that and the length that he'll go to and the things that he, he has done for, for me, if I don't have an understanding of that, it's really hard for me to give it to someone else. And so we've got, to, we've got to be able to say, wait a minute, okay, we've got to change that in us. And if that's, that's the first thing we need to change, then let, it, let us change that in ourselves. Because I think, you know what, if we don't have an understanding of that love that he has for us, it's really hard for us to witness. It's really hard to make the first step. But see, I think when we get a deeper revelation of the fact that God loves us, I think that's why he put it in the very first part of this scripture, or this verse, if we, once we get to that revelation, I think it becomes a lot easier to be able to share because you know that God loved you so much and man, look what you were into and look what you just kind of had experienced in your life and then, man, but yet he still pulled you out of that and said, you're my beloved. I love you. Yeah, but you know, I don't care anymore. I've washed it by the blood. You're white as snow. Yeah, but no right? But he passionately loves you. And he passionately loves those that you encounter in your places and spaces, despite all of our flaws. Ephesians 2, chapter 4, verse 5 says this, but God is so rich in mercy. He loved us so very much that even while we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's special favor that you have been saved. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this. In other words, it was through the anointed one, that's Jesus, that God was shepherding the world. I love that, that, that picture. Not even keeping records of their transgressions, and he was entrusted to us. Now, He's entrusted to us. Say us. Okay? And this is how, how the Passion Translation says it. The ministry of opening the door of reconciliation. So you have a ministry. Right? Reconciliation is basically like unity or harmony or in being in agreement with God. So it says, uh, has entrusted to us the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. But, uh, and then it says, we are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God, okay, in his, I'm going to say this, in his passionate love, were tenderly pleading with them directly through whose lips? 
our lips. Does that, that give you an idea that, hey, you know what? There's some things that, that we need to be engaged in and involved in. Our lips. Not, not God's lips, but our lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf, turn back to God and be reconciled to him. So that's the answer to the first part, for the first, first part of this question. God loved so much. And, and, and the great thing about it is he, he did what people who are in love do. Which is the second part, the second answer to the first question. He gave his only son. He gave. Right? When you love someone, you like to give. Right? And so that's point number two. He gave his only son. So that answers our first question. What do they need? What do they need to know? They need to know that God loves them. Only son. That the world through him might be saved. Right? It's not the Ten Commandments that save us. It's not the books of the Bible or the names of the twelve disciples. It's just two things. God loved, so God gave. Say that with me. So God loved, so God gave. So that means that God loved you and me and every individual in this world so much that he was willing to send his son Jesus, his own son, right? To give his life so that we might find ours. And what I love about it is Jesus willingly and lovingly did it. He did. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 and 9. This is again a Passion Translation. It says this. Instead, he emptied himself. That's Jesus. He emptied himself on his outward glory, of his outward glory, by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He humbled himself. Now, this is Jesus. He's choosing this, right? He's choosing this. It says he humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be, uh, uh, to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example, even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. And then Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 14. Don't use Titus very often, but this is what it says. God's marvelous grace has manifested in the person. That means Jesus. Bringing salvation for everyone. And then verse 14, it says he, Jesus again, sacrificed himself for us that he might purchase our freedom from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people who are his very own passionate to do our very own, passionate to do what is beautiful in his eyes. So it says that, you know what, he, he sacrificially gave. Not only does God love you, but even the fact that Jesus loves you, right? I mean, he's part of the Trinity and all that, I get it. But he said, yes, Father, I will go. I will become a man. I will walk. 
and be led by you and by the Holy Spirit. I will die on the cross. I will take upon all of the sin of the world so that people may be saved, so that they may be in right relationship again with you. So hopefully you could see and be assured in your heart that God's not disappointed or frustrated or wanting to exercise His wrath upon you at all. Instead, He's wanting to rescue everyone. Everyone. But see, it's going to, help. It's going to take us to do our part with our lips, right? With our, the way we live. But He wants to rescue everyone by giving His Son, again, who willfully came, to pay the full price, right? The Bible says that all have, have, fall, or all have missed, missed the mark. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so we needed a Savior, so He came to pay that price. Because it says too that sin leads to death. So that when we give our life to Jesus, then that way we can come and live in freedom and relationship with God forever. And I think, too, that's why he won't leave us alone sometimes. Right? Even as Christians, he won't leave us alone. I mean, I don't know how many times you've had, man, maybe a check inside or something that says, hey, I'm not living the way I'm supposed to be living. I'm not really following God the way I should be following God. Well, man, see, that's part of his plan, his purpose. One is to follow you or to, you know, be on, not be on you, but you know what I mean. He just won't leave us alone. I, I, and, I, and I think, too, the people who aren't saved, he's out chasing after them. He really is. And sometimes that's why he puts them in front of you. Because you're part of that process he's chasing after them because he doesn't want anyone to perish so he's chasing after them and then you know what he might do he just might slide you right into their life for five minutes ten minutes whatever that is and then all of a sudden maybe there's a cue something comes up about god something comes up and then you got to be attentive and be able to listen and go oh now's my time now's my moment to share now, my, now I can you know, look them in the face as Jesus sees them. Right? They say the most dangerous prayer is to pray, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. He said that's a very dangerous prayer. But man, you know what? There's something holy about it. There's something just holy and righteous about it. But he wants to get everybody, he wants to be able to give them a whole new life. So these two answer question one. What does a person need to know to become a Christian? God loved the world, or them, and God gave his son to save them. Now, which leads us to the second question. What does a person need to do to become a Christian? Well, point number three gives us the answer. Here's point number three. That whoever believes in him. Hopefully you're seeing how easy this is. When you get an opportunity to share with someone that doesn't know Jesus. Hey, first off, man, I just want you to know God loves you. So much so, man. You are, you know, yeah, but I'm caught. Not, yeah, he doesn't, he's 
He's not worried about that right now. He just wants you to love him. Then, you know what? He gave his son so that you can get to the third point about believe. About believing. And this word believe is this Greek word, uh, pisteo, which means to accept something as truth to the point that you're willing to act on it. It's where we get, to get our word uh, faith. Right? So like on a practical example of that is if you sit on your chair um, like you did today, right? All of us are sitting there, and we, we are demonstrating that we have enough faith that that chair will hold us up. Uh, you know, Pastor Scott didn't come and unscrew all the bolts and everything and say, ha ha, I'm going to get you today, right? No, we, we come and we sit out, and this is going to be able to carry us, hold us. That's operating kind of on a, on a faith level. And so for someone to become a believer then, in the, in the full sense of the word, one has to completely put one's trust in the Savior and not just knowing or acknowledging Him mentally. There's a difference. Because people can say, oh yeah, okay, yeah, He's the Son of God, I get it. That's just kind of sometimes head knowledge. But see, what happens is transformation needs to take place to the point where it means to follow wherever He leads. See, that's a struggle sometimes for us as Christians. We, we, we kind of, well, I'm a Christian, I'm kind of on my terms in some degree, you know, just kind of whatever. But see, it means to follow him wherever he leads, including confessing him publicly, repenting of our sin, and then living daily as an obedient servant to the king. Every day, listen, to the, even to the point of death. That's heavy. But see, that's part of the process of believing. Not just, yeah, I acknowledge, okay, great, I got my ticket to heaven. You know, it was turn or burn, and I decided to turn. No. It's about, man, when I believe, I give everything to him. I surrender everything to Jesus. I just absolutely just give it all. In Acts chapter 8, we see this word used a couple times in one verse. And it's where P, uh, Philip is, is sharing with this eunuch who's reading the scriptures, but no one's really kind of explained it to him. And so in that process, the eunuch goes, hey, I want to be baptized. I mean, this is like right in the moment. And in Acts chapter 8, verse 37, it says, then Philip said, if you believe, okay, that's not just, hey, head knowledge. That's, man, if you believe, like, you're ready to do this, you're ready to follow him, you're ready to go wherever he says to go, you're ready to do whatever he says to do, you're ready to give it all. He says, with all your heart. Notice he didn't say with all your mind. He said, with all your heart. And this is what that, that eunuch said. And he answered and said, I believe. Not with the head with the heart, with everything I am. He says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And in that same way, if you or them or whoever it is believe in, trust in, and put the weight of your life in Jesus' hands, then here's the promised result. Point number four. That you shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, something to realize, 
eternal, eternal life is not just the promise of living forever, okay? Because really, if you think about it, everyone lives forever, right? You're either in heaven or you're in hell. H-E double hockey sticks. But eternal life or everlasting life is a present tense possession, okay? Meaning it's not something that begins when we get to heaven, but rather in a number of scriptures it speaks of everlasting life as something that we possess right now in this life. Uh, one example is John chapter 4, verse 14. This is amplified version. It says, but whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. This is Jesus talking. And he says, but the water that I give him will become in him a spring of water satisfying his thirst for God, welling up, continually flowing, bubbling within him to eternal life. So it's not, hey, you got to wait till you pass away and you go to heaven in order to experience this eternal life where, man, all of a sudden things are bubbling up inside of you and this spring of water is there and all of this just happens when you finally get to heaven. No, he didn't say that, did he? No, what he said was now. If you believe, this is now. That you will become in Him, right? I will give Him, I will, yeah, in Him, a spring of water, satisfying your thirst for God. I, I, man, are there people that are here that are, 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 are satisfied in their thirst for God? That's rhetorical. You don't have to raise your hands. But, but think about that. The fullness of who, who Christ is in this eternal life is, is something to where, man, we, we, we should be satisfied. Right? When, in our thirst for God. And, and have this thing continually bubbling up within us. But it's not when we get here. So eternal life is a benefit right here, right now, here on earth, and not just for when we die and go to heaven. This is how Jesus defined life for us, okay? John chapter 17, verse 3, eternal life. This is how he, de he defined it, right? So if Jesus defines it a certain way, you got to know it's right, right? This is what it said. And this is eternal life, that they may know you. Now he's talking to God. He's talking to the Father. He says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So eternal life is knowing God. It's not just intellectual knowing, but the word know talks about intimacy. Kind of like a, a intimacy between a husband and a wife. That you would know, eternal life is that you would know that you would have this intimate relationship with God here on this earth so once you have it right once you have eternal life once you have salvation then you have this opportunity today tomorrow the next day to have this intimate close personal relationship with God daily oh that is so amazing and so awesome isn't it I hope so because that's what we're after we should be after this relationship with God. Not just, you know, hey, 
doing, doing these little, like, check the boxes, gold star here, whatever. It should be, man, no, my heart is set and is, 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 is passionate to follow after him, to have a relationship with him. And then when, when you're in this relationship with him and it's, and it's, and it's going, right, then you have this privilege of, of, of living life to the full forever. But, it, but it starts right, right now. It's, it's living the way God intended for you and I to live, right? And that means, you know what? We're free from fear. We're free from the insecurities and intimidation. And then we're just filled with confidence that we are loved by God, that we have his favor, that we have his protection, we have his grace and his provision upon our life because we know God loves us, right? And, 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 and healing, too. And whatever else it is we need, we can have this confidence because we're in intimate relationship, right? That they may know you, God. Man, may my heart's desire be after knowing God. But this is what Jesus was referring to. Right? When he, when, again, going back to John chapter 10, verse 10. I've come to give life and that life more abundantly. Well, it's in that scope of eternal life. That's not for heaven, but it's, it starts the day you gave your life to Jesus. You now have the ability to have a personal relationship with God that can be so intimate that, man, he can talk with you. He can walk with you. I, 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 I think about how Adam and Eve would go on walks with God in the cool of the evening, right? And then stupid sin entered in and jacked it all up. Yet, who still showed up after that happened? God did, right? Not like it caught him by surprise. Oh my gosh. But the fact, the very fact is, is that he still went looking for him after all that. See, that's what I mean about chasing. God's chasing us. He's chasing those that are outside. But you know what? He looks at all that stuff and he just says, no, man, I'm just concerned about me and you getting together and actually developing a relationship together. So three and four, points three and four, then answer the last question. What does a person need to do to become a Christian? Well, it's believe in him. And then you just begin to walk in an intimate and close relationship with him as a benefit of having eternal life right now. And you know what? I'm just going to say this. In, in some ways too, if, if you get the opportunity at one point even to just take this, this simple scripture and be able to walk people through each and every one of those four points, they're still going to need someone to walk with them. Because, you know, sometimes we're really good in, in church to just, boom, gotcha, Chalk one up, man. I got another one. But, but sometimes we don't recognize we actually got to hold their hand and walk them through it because they're going to stumble at times. But we've got to be able to help them grow in their relationship and be there for them. Because sometimes it's not just, man, boom, I got you and that's it. Go on, I'm, I'm out of here. But sometimes we just got to take them by the hand and say, hey, I'm here. 
I'm here with you, whatever that means. I don't know what that looks like, but man, I'm here for you. And so, and so in that, if you get that opportunity, if you ever decide, hey, I can just easily walk through this, very, very simple. Notice it wasn't a three-point, well, well, it was four points, but it wasn't like, you know, you have to have this four-point sermon or you have to have all these ducks in a row. You, you just very simply, hey, God loved you, so he gave, right? And if you believe, you'll have eternal life with him forever, starting right now. It's just so simple. And so I just want to encourage you, right? And then you can take them to, to, to Romans uh, chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, about, you know, it's confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. If you'll do that, you will be saved. So hopefully just the, 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 the message, hopefully those four things were simple enough that every single one of us can use them. Every single one of us, no matter what situation we might find ourselves in at some point, in some day, where God all, all, all of a sudden interrupts your day, because he, actually he, he would love to do that, I think, more than what he gets to, but he interrupts your day in order to talk to someone about the goodness of God, about the love of God. And just think, man, if we became people who said, God, my day is open. Yeah, I got to go to work. You know that. I got to do all these things. Yeah, you know that. But you know what? Interrupt my day if you have to. Because I, I, I want to see people the way you see them. I want my heart to break for what breaks your heart. So do me a favor. and Let me, let me just close today. Um, and, I, and, I, and I don't want to miss, miss an opportunity. But if you're here today and you've never given your heart to Jesus... And you would like to today because it's really all those four things are very, very simple. Then I want to I be able to give you that opportunity. And, um, and, and, and simply, if, if you would, if everybody would bow their heads, eyes closed, just, if you would, just slip up your hand, put it back down. And if you do do that, then we'll all pray together what we need to pray. Or maybe, you know what, you're a Christian, but you, you've really kind of backslidden a little bit. You need to rededicate yourself to the Lord. You know, to, to truly believe Him. And I want to give you that opportunity as well to, to, to lift your hand. And then we'll, we'll, we'll pray. Right? And then if nobody does, then we won't pray. But, but I will pray for you at, here at the end. And so if there's anybody here in this house today that would say, yeah, I've never given my life to Jesus, but man, I want to today, then uh, feel free to just lift up your arm, lift up your hand. And if that is any of you, I have something for you afterwards, but any of you. How about if there's anybody here that would say, yeah, Lord, I, I've, I've kind of gone off the rails a little bit or I've backslidden in my relationship with you and I, I want a new fresh start. There's any of you here today that, that that would identify with that? Feel free to lift up your hand. Okay. All right, so everyone pray this prayer with me. 
and, and, and Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus. I thank you for forgiveness because of what Jesus did on the cross. My sins can be forgiven. My waywardness can be forgiven. And that I can come back into right relationship with you. I believe today that I am on a new course. I am on God's course. And I thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. that will lead me to live my life in a right relationship with you daily. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you're not mad at me but that you love me. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. I'm going to have Corey come on up. And I pray that this week would just be one of those weeks where you're just stirred by the Holy Spirit, where He can interrupt your day. And that you can just Slip in and talk to someone. Does, again, it doesn't have to be preachy. It doesn't have to be forceful. But man, it would be so amazing. Okay, so I'm at, this is your homework. If you get it, right? Okay. But I would love for if that happens to you this week, somehow, some way, whatever that looks like, to come tell me. So I can celebrate with you. Right? And who knows, maybe we can just celebrate it all together. That God is doing something in our lives. And so, I, again, celebrate. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, that's awesome. Because, yeah. Anyways. All right. Corey, come on. Though <laughs> uh, no, I thought it was appropriate because it's like celebrate that Pastor Scott's done. Right? <laughs> that's what went through my head. Not, you know, just anyways. Let's let Pastor Sorry. Scott know we appreciate him. <laughs> His heart always comes through. And I know that's one of the things that endears me to him the most. We're so fortunate and blessed to have such an amazing pastor. Well, I'm not going to keep you much longer. I'm just going to pray a blessing over you and let you go. Don't forget, if you have those connection cards, the Bolivia cards, tithe, offering, buckets in the back. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up the brightness of his countenance upon you and give you rest and give you peace. Shalom peace, the kind of peace that just don't make no sense. In the name of Jesus.
Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.